So I am here with Brenda Bandy, who's the executive director of the Kansas Breastfeeding Coalition. Mm -hmm. So welcome, Brenda. Why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. Be happy to. First of all, thank you so much for having me. This oh, is really um, an exciting moment to share with you kind of uh, the state of breastfeeding in Kansas and our vision for how we can do better. So yes, I am the executive director for the Kansas Breastfeeding Coalition, um, but I wasn't always. <laughs> I came to this work as a breastfeeding mom who had her own internal challenges. And then I recognized that there were policies and systems in place that were barriers to breastfeeding. And it wasn't always just about a mom getting the help that they need, although that's critical. And we want those places and in, in those pieces in place as well. So uh, we found other like-minded people across our state, and that became the Kansas Breastfeeding Coalition back in 2008. We had our first meeting, and so that's how we got formed. And since then, I've been involved in programs and processes along the way and the last few years as their executive director. Okay, so uh, talking about the Kansas Breastfeeding Coalition mm -hmm. for a moment, so just describe to me a little bit about how that all got started, um, what brought you to the post of executive director, kind of the, yeah. the, the group's history a little bit. Right. So it started, there was a breastfeeding task force in our state that was headed out of KDHE, but the work was very much within the public health realm, um, was run out of KDHE, and our coalition, when we had our first formative meeting in April of 2008, um, really through kind of a wider net and trying to gather people that were interested in breastfeeding. And at that first meeting, we had people from childcare, we had individual mothers, we had grandparents there, we had people from hospitals, and we recognized that this is much bigger than just public health. This is a cultural issue, this is a society's issue, um, and that's really the foundation of the Kansas Breastfeeding Coalition. We became a nonprofit. Um, we are an autonomous, separate organization so that we can really advocate for all these different voices supporting breastfeeding, um, the families as well as the systems that support them as well. So we really have a very broad base. Um, we really don't have members, we just have people interested in this topic. Mm -hmm. um, um, so that's that's how our organization got started, but it has grown, and I really say that we have cross-sector support from both individuals as well as organizations, other nonprofits who are interested in supporting families. Mm -hmm. Which is, is certainly one of the ways that that's how we Action for Children came, <laughs> came, came along and, yes. and uh, how we, we got in touch with you. Yeah. Um, so kind of turning to the the subject at hand or or mm -hmm. or what your your group really focuses on you know what do you wish more people knew uh, about breastfeeding, about mm -hmm. kind of, of what your group works on. Right. Um, I think what we really wish more people understood is that breastfeeding is not only an individual act. it's a community and a society act. It takes the society to support that individual decision. And that we've done a really good job over the last probably 40 years um, in our public health campaigns and so forth of promoting breastfeeding. So much so that to the point now, 90% of women in Kansas choose to breastfeed. I mean, everybody gets it, right? 
But now the job before us is to really build a society that supports that decision. And we've gotten so far away from that, that women are facing roadblocks along the way. So our job as our coalition, as we see it, is really to remove the barriers for these 90% of women that want to breastfeed. So, um, yeah, I wish more people understood that it's not just, oh, an individual choice, but it's really about supporting that choice. Well, and I think at, at KAC and our work mm-hmm. looking at things like, you know, early education and, and mm-hmm. health for kids, you know, it's yes. not that anyone thinks that these are bad things. Right. Like people people generally agree with this. It's about how do you actually make these things happen? How do right. you get the supports in place mm-hmm. so that, you know, kids are able to have quality early mm-hmm. education, for instance? Right. And in your case, how do... How do moms have the supports that they need? Exactly. Yeah. And that's where our common mission about making sure that Kansas is the best place to be born and raised um, is is integral to our work because we know that there are places in our state, uh, we call them first food deserts. Um, That was a phrase that was coined elsewhere, but it references parts of our state and they could be urban, they could be rural, where there is a lack of breastfeeding support breastfeeding being the first food. And we think about there are areas where if a mom needs help, there's literally no one within a 30-mile radius that knows much about breastfeeding. The other part that I think we have to recognize that how did we get here is that back around World War II or so, when women were really entering the workforce for the first time, formula became the mainstay of how we fed our babies and it became part of our culture that bottle feeding formula feeding is just became the the way we feed babies and all the social supports all of the information that would be passed from generation to generation fell away and now we're rebuilding those things that our culture, our country, um, many of our cultures have had our whole lives. We're rebuilding those supports. It's estimated we've lost two generations of knowledge. If you think about maybe in your own family who you knew that did this, you have to go back two generations. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had my own mom that goes, now, is this really true, Brenda, that this <laughs> is the best thing? You know, she just came from that period where um, it was not always clear that that mm-hmm. was that breastfeeding was the best thing. So yeah, we're rebuilding that support. And and it sounds warm and fuzzy, but it also sounds incredibly challenging at the same time. Yes. Um, so, and maybe this kind of doubles back on the question I, I just asked a moment ago, but what do you think the biggest misconception that people have about breastfeeding might mm-hmm. be? Well, I probably that it's natural and easy. I think if you talk to someone who has not experienced it, they're like, oh, it's so easy, right? It should be so natural. Why do you need lactation consultants? Why do you need specialists on this? Um, so there is that misperception that because it's natural, it's therefore it's easy. Um, and that's not always true. Women need support. I mean, I the analogy that I give is, you know, that walking is natural, right? But yet our children, when they're learning to do that, need support and guidance along the way. So there's so many things things that we do as as humans that are in fact natural but yet not easy. So we need supports. And in fact, we're as humans, we're designed to live in larger societies to support each other. Nobody should have to parent alone. Um, And that's the same thing is true for breastfeeding. Not all women need technical breastfeeding help, um, but most need some peer support. 
Okay. And so what are, what are some of the, the ways that, that that help or that assistance could be, be provided? What are, mm-hmm. what's, what's kind of the yeah. roadmap there? Well, sometimes the support can be just as simple as a coworker saying, mm-hmm. hey, good job. You know, I'll, I'll cover you while you go take time to pump. Um, or smiling and giving a thumbs up for somebody who's breastfeeding in public. Um, just those simple reassurances that we give each other that what you're doing is a good thing. Um, other times it could be recognizing that somebody is struggling and f- knowing where that technical help is. Usually it's within a hospital system or a health department where there are people who are trained in that kind of technical assistance. Sometimes it's helping her to find supportive childcare that um, understands how to care for the breastfed infant storage and handling of breast milk. And probably the largest hurdle that most women will say once they've got off to those first few weeks of good start Mm -hmm. um, is returning to work. That is a very daunting task for any mother, regardless of how they feed their baby. Um, But breastfeeding mothers in particular are concerned about how am I going to manage this? How am I going to fit this into my daily routine? Where am I going to go? And sometimes you layer onto that a, a supervisor or coworkers that you may not know how they feel about this and you might not even be in a position of any power to be able to really advocate for maybe what your rights are in the workplace. So that's a very complex area. We've been doing a lot of work with that, um, kind of working from the top down, working with HR societies um, across our state with individual employers, HR, to help them to understand how to be proactive in this space and really let your employees know that as a family-friendly business, this is what we do um, because it is the right thing to do and yes it is also the federal law too right just a little thing like <laughs> just that. a little thing but oh by the way <laughs> right yeah um so um looking at uh, the breastfeeding coalition's history that's a, mm-hmm. a, a lot of years since that that first meeting um yeah. but what are some of the the things that have happened that you're especially proud of or that you really think mm-hmm. are some great accomplishments. Right. So I think if you look at the trajectory that we're on, we're really proud of the progress we've made with our breastfeeding rates in general by no matter what measure, our breastfeeding initiation rates um, continue to go up faster than many states around us. Um, So we are now 11th in the nation when it comes to the number of women still breastfeeding at six months of age. And we were always around the mid-20s or so. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think our, our trajectory, meaning that I think we're building some of those supports again or rebuilding those supports and from a practical standpoint one of the things I'm most proud of are my travels across the state I've been in almost every county in the state and I have met breastfeeding champions in almost every single one of the places where I've stopped and that's been the joy of this work is that it is not just one person, one coalition, or a board of directors driving this. It has become a statewide movement. We started in 2008. There were only eight local coalitions, breastfeeding coalitions. Um, We now have 33 around our state. So there are 33 local groups of people like our state group that are making a difference in their own communities. And now it's become our job. We've transitioned from kind of leading the statewide effort to empowering those local coalitions and getting them the tools that they need to address their local issues um, and making sure they have the resources to do that. So we've kind of moved from a statewide perspective to the local perspective because that's really where the work gets done right so i think the greatest joy i've had is in meeting other people that are just as passionate if not more than i am 
Well, that's putting in some serious miles, too, if you're yeah. going to nearly all of the counties. Yes. That's... Yes. I've been known to go to Dodge City and back in one day. I've been to Liberal and back in one day. <laughs> wow. Yes. And, um, you, and you're based in, in Manhattan. Yes, is that, that right? is yes. correct. Yeah. Okay. I start most days there. But... Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. Um, so... So that's kind of where you've been, kind of where you are. What are your What are your goals now? What are you hoping to to get done mm-hmm. to accomplish? Them? Well, there's really aspirational goals, and that's around policy changes. Mm-hmm. I think we really need to build policies that support these families that choose to breastfeed. And so there are some policy level goals um, that I think are part of this support piece as well. I also think that some of our other goals is really on that individual level, that our work will be done when women who choose to breastfeed feel that they were successful. That's Mm -hmm. really ultimately the goal here. It's not about forcing somebody to breastfeed because 90% of women are choosing to do that. It's not about um, having them breastfeed for any length of time because we really want them to meet their own personal goals for what that is. And there was a study that was done by the CDC, um, probably now three or four years old, that surveyed mothers and found 60% of mothers self-reported they didn't meet their own personal goals. 60%. So that's what keeps me going, is the fact mm-hmm. that we have 60% of women in Kansas who feel that they didn't succeed. And I think we'll keep going until every woman feels like she was successful, whatever that means to her. Mm-hmm. And and being able to make the choice of, you know, yeah. how to, you know, if, if you're going to stop when that is or, 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 you know, how long right. to continue and not feeling like the circumstances are pressing you into that. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Feeling like, yeah, she had to stop sooner than she wanted to because of X, Y, Z, whatever was going on in their lives. And we also know that for many women... It's not a choice whether or not to breastfeed. There's so many external factors um, that are very can be insurmountable. That for someone who may be um, of a certain economic status, an educational status that has flexibility in the workplace, um, that may feel like breastfeeding is a choice. But for a mother who has to return to work too quickly um, after giving birth, breastfeeding doesn't even feel like a choice for them. And that goes back to that policy piece that right. we were talking about, right? Right. And which leads leads into kind of my, my next question, mm-hmm. because uh, paid family leave, um, it goes by some different names as well, mm-hmm. family and medical leave, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it, this is something that KAC has been talking about for the last mm-hmm. year or so. It's, it's one of our policy priorities. Um, the idea being that if you have a child, uh, you know, if you if you're a parent, if you're a new parent, if you have a kid who's sick, if you have an elderly parent who's sick, the ability to take time away from work mm-hmm. that is paid to be able to do what you need to be able to do for your mm-hmm. family. Um, that seems like that would have a great connection to kind of the work that you're doing. Yes. And not only does it seem that way, there's the data behind that, Clay. Okay. <laughs> I mean, the data really does support that every state that has passed paid family leave, their breastfeeding rates go up proportionally. I mean, it's just that clear for those reasons that you said, that we know that the longer that the parent and baby can be together, the more successful breastfeeding goes. The shorter time frame that she has to be with the baby, the less successful she'll be with breastfeeding. So I I guess I 
when I say that there's paid family leave, what I say is when we don't pay for paid family leave, we're actually paying for it on the other end mm-hmm. in terms of higher health care costs because we know that mothers um, have health ramifications from not breastfeeding as well. Her children are not going to be as healthy as well. So I feel like it's a better investment to be paying for the beginning of a family getting off to a good start because we ultimately, if we don't, we're going to be paying for it on the other end as well. So it's really where do you want to spend your money um, is a society, right? Um, So I think that we we have to kind of reframe this language that we're going to be giving somebody money to stay home uh, with their child. And that is really what we're doing is we're investing in our society to have healthier citizens. And we haven't even touched on, you know, mental health um, ramifications. We know that postpartum depression um, is, is really on the rise and there's a lot to be said for the fact that the pressures of having to return to work um, is definitely a part and parcel of that as well so a mental health benefits as well mm-hmm. so. well and and even above and beyond benefits mm-hmm. from bre- breastfeeding just the the benefits mm-hmm. to you know new babies themselves for that mm-hmm. ex- more extended time with mm-hmm. with parents in terms Absolutely. of brain development and everything else. Right. So we yeah we know that this is setting the child up. Yeah, like you said, brain development for getting off to a good start in school, school readiness, um, all of those things outcomes improve. And the other thing that I think it's uh, maybe overlooked when we frame it with. Um, Paid family leave, people used to call it maternity leave. Um, I like the fact that we're talking about families because fathers play an important role in getting the children off to a good start as well. And we know when there's flexible leave, um, when families can alternate between the parent, um, the mother and the father staying with the child, that we have extended leave like that, everybody benefits from that. Mm -hmm. And even if it's just one day um, a week, we know that that takes the stress off the family, just dials it down a little bit um, and everybody thrives and does so much better so I'm excited that there's conversations about this there's movement on the federal level that um, I think can really provide this the relief that families need from today's intense pressures absolutely um, so Brenda I feel like I, I need to ask is there anything else that we you might want to say or that we haven't hit so far right well we are really, as an organization, now that we are an entire, what, 10, 11 years old now, we've, we've decided to step back in 2020, and we're calling it our year of listening. And so as I travel around the state, when our board members are going to be doing the same, we're going to be hosting a series of listening stops around our state to really hear from Kansans firsthand what their experiences around breastfeeding have been, whether they're firsthand or what they have seen among co-workers or family members um, in their communities because we just kind of want to touch base. We think we know what those barriers are, right? And we Mm -hmm. think that we've done a good job about addressing some of those. But I think it's time to check in and say, you know, how are we really doing as a state to support breastfeeding families? We're about building a culture. Um, So these listening stops, um, there'll be four of them in the first week of June. So if anybody listening at this point, check out our website um, and you can see where those events are going to be hosted. I I can tell you where. They're going to be one in Wichita, Dodge City, Quintner, um, and Topeka. 
And these are opportunities for the public to really come in and they, there'll be informal opportunities where you can leave notes if you don't want to speak. Um, but we will have an opportunity for you to give some feedback on what's breastfeeding like in this community, in this part of the state. And there'll be online sharing forms as well for you to give some feedback. And I'll be back out on the road <laughs> checking in with my breastfeeding champions That's and right. uh, hearing what's going on in the state. So we, we want to hear and see what's going on because we know what the data is telling us is that the vast majority of parents choose to breastfeed in Kansas. And I think now it's our job to support them. Okay. Well, that sounds great. Thank you so much, Brenda, for being Thank on the you. podcast. Thank you, Clay. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks so much for listening. And hey, if you want to hear more about the KAC podcast, uh, get caught up on some of our past episodes or keep a watch for some of our future ones, you can go to kac.org on our podcasts page there, or you can uh, sign up for episodes through iTunes or through Stitcher. Uh, Again, thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you the next time.